0: Alright, good morning. Good, good, beautiful day out there, isn't it? Good day to be alive, even if we can't figure out what to do with the clocks. You know, I I appreciate uh, Pastor Tim giving me the opportunity to speak. He let me know about a month ago or so, and so I've been very excited about it, getting this opportunity, and it really hit me earlier this week, Daylight Savings Time. I see what you did there, Pastor Tim, if you're watching. I see what you well-played, well-played. So in spite of that, the Lord is good. He is sovereign over time change even. So we we praise God for the opportunity. I want to say thank you to all the different people involved. So many, uh, we're working on trying to develop a kind of a schedule of everyone that's involved. And we don't have all of our ministries plugged in yet, but just to make A month of Sundays, if you will, or a typical month work here in our services. It takes well over 100 people plugged in, making coffee, greeting people, bringing people in and making sure they park safely, even if it's three degrees outside, walking around, making sure things are secure, watching the children in the nursery, children's church, Sunday school, worship team. Today was a hard day to be on the worship team. They're up. They were bright and singing beautifully and wonderfully and leading us in worship. So many different people back in the sound room and all over the place. So thank you to all, and even Cameron down there, even teenagers. Teenagers helping in church, hallelujah. So, so many different people. Thank you to all of you that are involved and in and, and helping and serving here to make uh, Big Woods a great place. Just want to encourage you, really think about and pray over that that uh, welcome team that we are working on putting together. That's so important. Uh, Studies show that people, once they drive up into um, into your church property, within seven to ten minutes, they have come to an idea of what you are, and it's hard to move that out of their mind. They have made their decision, this place is, dot, 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 fill in the blank. We want to work really hard, and the reason we're pushing for this for 40 different people, we want to make our best impression first uh, with that group. So I hope that you'll consider getting involved in that. Thank you so much to those of you who are. You do a wonderful job. That is no slight on anyone at, at all that is working right now. Thank you for what you do. We just want to continue to grow forward, grow better, ultimately, we are seeking to glorify God here through, through this ministry as well. We, we want to make a good impression of Big Woods, but most importantly, we want to allow our impression of this church and what they think be a reflection of our Savior. So do consider that. Hope you'll be involved in that as well. Go ahead and go to Jonah. We're in Jonah chapter one. We're going to get close to finishing up this chapter this week. Before we dive into this, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. We love you. Uh, We just thank you for the opportunity to come freely to learn from your word. I pray that you would bless today's service, the reading of your word, the preaching. Father, uh, just guide me in the words to say and how to say them. Lift up our team in Puerto Rico that is working. I pray that you keep them safe. pray for their health, that they would be healthy as well, that, that they would have opportunities to live out and demonstrate your love as well as speak the gospel to people that are hurting Lord, uh, just again, bless the day before us and all that that is happening. Uh, In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, we started off in this book a few weeks ago. We took a week break last week, uh, but we are back into Jonah, and this is the minor prophet with a major message. Of course, minor prophet, it's shorter in nature in its message, only four chapters, but the message is very strong, very poignant, very powerful. It's important to remember on this, uh, in this, is that the story is not a moral redirect. You know, it, the, the theme of Jonah is not if you disobey God, then He's going to bring out His hammer. That is, that is not what, it, what we were trying to get across here. Or it's not like the pa- the passage in the Old Testament where the where the kids mocked the prophet and the prophet called out two she bears to take care of this. That that is not what's going on here. Okay, so I want everyone to know. While you shouldn't be rude to Pastor Tim, if you are on accident. Don't worry about the bears. That's not the point of what's going on in Scripture. And that's what is. It, that is not what is supposed to be. We're supposed to be learning in that. So our Christian lives are not to be motivated by fear or retribution of God. We're, we don't have to worry about this guy in the sky who's ready to toss lightning bolts. Even though a lot of time that is what a lot of people think God is. Well, he just loves to sit around and wait for me to mess up so he can rain on my parade. That is not the, the, the idea that we are supposed to have of God. God is purposeful about what he does. You, re, you realize this, this is a, a little trite statement, but it has a lot of power to it. God does not say, oops. He's never said, oops. God didn't get up this morning and think, oh no, I forgot to change my clock. I'm going to miss most of the early services. That, that, that's not how he works. You know, God's not experimenting with different methods to see how He can get a desirable income or a desirable outcome. He's not going, "Hmm, maybe I should tweak this a little bit or try that." That's not how He works. He's not the little kid out there with the magnifying glass. And you know who you are that have done this—that's eliminating the ant population. Okay, that—that—that that, that is not who our God is. God is a sovereign. All-knowing, loving, merciful divine being that guides and shapes the events around our lives to use us to bring him glory. And that is the idea that we have to keep in front of us about who God is. And that is really, the in, in, a, in a sentence, what is happening here in the book of Jonah. You see, remember, Joan is not the star of this show. His name may be on the book, but this is not his story. Hey, you know, he could maybe be up for best supporting actor if we were to give him an award for this or something, but he's not the star. The Lord is on display. And now when I say Lord, that is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. I, I like going back and looking and seeing which words were used for God when we see them um, translated in our scriptures and this word Lord here comes from the, the name, the very name of God. In fact, it was, so, it was considered so holy that they stopped saying it. They would, they would write it out, but they would not say it. They lost the pronunciation of this name. Some people say it's Jehovah, some Yahweh. We really don't know exactly. Uh, there's a lot of scholars that, that are much, much smarter than I that will debate over this and different things. But we see that the word capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the Lord is used in this passage several times, and that is to show us that is the name of God. In fact, the, the scribes would stop, and, and if they were speaking through this passage, they would just say, Hashem. And that word simply means the name. Can you imagine that if you were so strong and powerful, famous, well, whatever word that you want to use, it just, that guy is the name, and they would know who you're talking about. And that's, that's how they expressed God's name and that's how you see that used over and over again here in the book of Jonah so Jonah <clears throat> Here he is We see that God has told him to go one way He's gone the exact opposite as far as he can possibly go All right, he, he is running from God And what does God do? Sends a storm, right? So he sends a storm. He's trying to get his attention now, this storm is so bad that these guys who are seasoned uh, mariners, seasoned sailors on this boat, who have probably been through other storms before, who have been through bad weather before, have gone through troublesome voyages before, they're terrified. They are out of their minds, scared so bad that they've tossed everything off the boat. That's their livelihood. That's the entire point of them being in the boat to transfer goods from point A to point B so that they can cash their check and continue on. And they've tossed it. They've they've wiped the boat out. They're rowing. They're going crazy. They're calling out to their gods and screaming and crying. Where is Jonah? He's sleeping. Sleeping on this boat where seasoned sailors are losing their mind. A little side sermon here for you. You know, Jonah has peace, don't he? Does, doesn't he? He has peace. My southern just came out. He has peace, don't he? No. He has peace, doesn't he? Here, you know. You ever heard someone say, "Well, I just have peace about this." Be careful about that. Jonah had some peace here to be sleeping in a storm. Don't let that peace misguide you. So Jonah is running. He's sleeping. They cast lots, or they draw straws, or any, meeny, miny, mo. which one of you's got to go? And it falls on Jonah. Of course, we know Proverbs sixteen thirty three tells us, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Even God is guiding and working here. So they go to Jonah, and they say, Jonah, What is going on? Level with us. You got to tell us what's happening. And he lets him know that he serves Yahweh, the Lord, the true God. Let's pick up in verse number 10 where he's talking to them. Verse number 10 in Jonah chapter 1. Then the men after they heard that he served and was a follower and a worshiper of the God of heaven who made the the sea and dry land, then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. First thing I want you to see in this sermon titled, God is Sovereign Over the Minds of Men, is that, number one, the sovereignty of God is demonstrated in the storm. We have a little bit of overlap here. I was going back over Pastor Tim's notes from a couple weeks ago. and you know, Overlap's not bad. Reviewing can be good. Even God, from time to time, repeats himself in Scripture. So a few weeks ago pastor Tim reminded us that God doesn't just calm storms as we saw in the New Testament but sometimes he creates them. And this is one of those cases. You know, in Sunday school we've been talking about prayer. It's been a very helpful study for all of us it involved some great discussion that was happening in that. You know, but one thing that can really get us tripped up in prayer is the fact that we can ask for what we think are good things and we can really be, you know, oh God, I'm coming to you, I really would like to see this happen and for some reason that doesn't happen. We don't see things happen the way we thought they should. And We've been reminded to get back to the original premise of our lesson and that is when we pray to really be focused on thy will be done. And so if we don't see God working in the way that we want, okay, okay, let's recalibrate. Let's figure out what is he doing. How do I get that lined up behind that? And and maybe I'm out of whack. Lord, show me where I need to be. You know, sometimes sometimes what God wants to do doesn't really match what we want him to do. And many, many more times than that, what we do doesn't match what God wants us to do. Many, many times. We're like Jonah. God says this way, we go that way. And that's when God has to come in and he has to get our attention, to discipline us. Uh, King James says to chastise us. It's a very strong word. Look at Hebrews chapter 3. You know, one of the important things that we need to learn about this storm, the sovereignty in God being demonstrated in the storm, is that storms are designed to bring us to obedience. Hebrews chapter 12, very important passage. I'm going to take time to go ahead and read through all of this, but uh, chapter 12, verse number three, start there. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son... Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, You see, God brings pressure, God brings discipline, he brings storms, trials, and heartaches, but all of these are designed to bring about fruit in our life. It's not God having fun, toying around. It's not God saying, let me see how far I can push this guy until he cracks and get a good laugh. He is doing it for a purpose, that we can have fruit to bring us closer to him to make us more holy in his image. It's incredibly important for us to remember that God, with God there is never any wasted pain. A good uh, illustration <clears throat> of a man in the Bible who dealt with immense personal pain was the story of Job. Lost so much. Who had friends who cut him to the core with their words. And yet in the middle of all his loss, not at the end, whenever he got everything back, right? Not at the end when things seem to be peaceful and back to normal. But in the middle of what he was going through, he called out and said, for I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And he also said, but he, speaking of Jesus, speaking of God, knows the way that I take when he has tried me. I shall come out as gold. It's important to remember that God's storms have meaning. They have purpose. The next thing that we need to focus on is this that storms are fueled by God's mercy. Storms are fueled by God's mercy. It'd be really easy to look at this text and say, see there, Jonah's getting what he deserves. God is pouring out his judgment and his wrath on it, and he's bringing the pain because that's what Jonah needs. But if you look a little closer to this, you understand this isn't an angry God. This isn't the wrath of God. This isn't God pouring out judgment. Not even on these lost pagan sailors. These guys had an idea of who God was. Apparently, as we read through the text, you'll see they have some kind of level of respect. They were exceedingly afraid of him. Later on, we'll touch on when Jonah tells him to throw him out of the boat, they kind of know that that's a big no-no that's on the top ten of things not to do. Okay? So they have an idea who was and have rejected him and said, nope, I'm going to follow my own little g-gods. And I'm going to follow and make money and whatever and follow my way. We see them fighting and toiling and, and... God would have been perfectly just to say, you know what, I've had it, and down to the bottom they go. To a watery grave, chances are never to be found and possibly never remembered. God would have been completely and totally just. But he didn't do that. Because this storm was not fueled by his wrath. It was fueled by his patient and long-suffering mercy. And it was a mercy that was designed to correct a rebellious Jonah and to reveal himself to a bunch of pagan mariners. Now, we're the same way. Stuff comes up in life, we got to fix it, right? We know what to do. We just take off and run and, and get it done. I know what to do to fix it. And this is what these sailors did. This is what Jonah was doing. I, I'm I'm going to change my stars. I'm going to change my situation Now, the sailors, they had tossed their cargo. They had thrown their livelihood overboard, basically like putting your paycheck in a shredder. They they grabbed the oars of the boat and were rowing with all their might to try to make it to dry land. But in the middle of this, God and his sovereignty kept them safely in the storm rather than let them get out to the true danger that was outside of the storm. You see, if Jonah had made it to dry land he'd be able to get back on his feet and continue running. God wasn't going to let him go there. You see, if the sailors made it to dry land, they could say, we did it. We made it through the storm. They could ride it out and continue on and let this memory fade. But you'll see, you see this repeated here in the story. For the sea grew more tempestuous. So they fought more to get things done their own way. And the sea grew more tempestuous. And he brought them to a place in his mercy where they had nowhere to turn but to him. Amazingly enough, even though Jonah didn't have any other place to turn to, he didn't have land to put under his feet to run, he found another way to run. Hey, guys, toss me. Now, some people have said, you know, this is a... You know, Jonah was finally coming to himself. I, maybe so. I, I kind of look at it this way. He either was so rebellious that he said, fine, if I'm not living, I don't have to do what you told me to do, God. Or he had such a warped and twisted view of the judgment of God that he felt that he could push God's hand and bring judgment on his head. You see, the sailors understood this. The sailors knew if... This guy goes overboard, he's done. No other logical way to think about that. Jonah wasn't thinking, I'll hitch your ride in a big fish. He's thinking, I'm checking out. I'm done with this. And again, the sailors, they, they call out to the true God, you'll see here, forgive us of this. He's your guy and he's telling us what to do. They're thinking that when he goes over, he's done, he's toast. They knew this meant certain death. Their understanding of God was limited to a fear of him. They knew enough to know that if they threw Jonah overboard and he died, a very likely scenario, then God would hold them responsible. Yet, even in this last act of desperation as they throw him over and the sea calms, God's mercy was there swimming just below the surface. We see secondly that the sovereignty of God is demonstrated by transformed lives. Again, this storm fueled by mercy was working in these guys' lives to bring them to a place where they only could turn to God for salvation. They had tried their own way. They had tried to the best of their ability. And they couldn't get what they wanted. I'm convinced that God's purpose in the storm was not just to get the attention of Jonah, but to get the attention of these lost Sailors as well. Look at Psalm 107. This is a really neat passage that I came across. Psalm 107, verse 23. Came across it this week. And I don't think the two tie together necessarily, but you can see exactly in this short passage what God was doing. Verse 23 says, Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up the heaven. They went down to the depths. They were going up and down. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. He brought them to their desired haven. Doesn't that look exactly like what's happening here in Jonah? You know, these guys... They knew what they were doing. They had been through this before, but this was different. Just like the psalmist says, these guys were at their complete wits end. They had no idea what to do. They tried their own way. It didn't work. They had called out their false god, but they, those gods couldn't hear them. Like the words of William Ernest Henley in his poem Invictus, these sailors lived by this creed. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. No longer could they say that. We know this isn't so. And honestly, don't you and I get that way as well? I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And isn't it at those times when we get in the most trouble, we see the biggest problems? God was bringing them to a place just like he'll do with us to where they realized that no, he alone was sovereign. C.S. Lewis says it this way, Man approaches God most nearly when he is in one sense least like God. For what can be more unlike than fullness and need, sovereignty and humility, righteousness and penitence, limitless power, and a cry for help. We cannot get close to God until we realize how far away we are from God. It's here when we are at our wits' end that we reach out. And like Peter, as he was sinking and going underwater, cries out and says, Lord, save me. And he does. He does. And he loves to do that. But we have to recognize who he is. Isaiah 57, 15. Beautiful verse. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. God lives in a high and holy place. But you know who's there with him? Those of us who are broken and on our face before him saying, I desperately need you. I can't do it on my own. And that is what God was doing in this entire story. He's bringing all people here to a place where he could dwell with them. God in his mercy brought these sailors to this place so they would have nowhere to turn but to him. And that's what the sovereignty of God looks like, moving, making things happen around us, saying, come to me, come to me. I can still this storm, but this is for your good because I'm drawing you to me. I want you. You see, their first reaction is like ours, is to fight to regain control of our lives. But they only found safety and peace when they surrendered control of their lives and to the only true and sovereign God. See, these sailors, 1st they're their first mention of God, or the first time that they heard about the true God, they recoiled in fear, fear of judgment, fear of retribution, fear that if they stepped out of line, they would be brought to a place of judgment. But now in reverence, we see them offering sacrifice and making vows to the one true God. Their lives had been completely transformed through this encounter with God. You know, perhaps now they understood what the psalmist says in Psalm 86.8 when he says, There is none like you among the little g-gods. Remember, they had called on their gods. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any other works like yours. Or in verse 15 when it says, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. You know, in the middle of that storm, Things going crazy, feeling like everything was out of control. Who was there with them? God, in steadfast love and faithfulness. Perhaps they now understand this passage from Psalm 145, verse 17 through 19. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. Even when things are upside down and completely don't make sense and I can't figure out and I'm scrambling and I'm trying to make things work and it just won't come together. The Lord is kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him. In truth, he fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry, and he saves them. Today, we've seen a small glimpse of God's power. We've seen what He can do and His ability to work in and through His creation to work out His perfect purpose. And He did this not through anger and not through wrath and not even through judgment, but through His mercy. We forget that. We forget what His mercy looks like sometimes. Remember what I said earlier, this this storm God created was fueled by his mercy. Lamentations 3 verse 22 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Maybe that's where you are today. Like Jonah, you're running. You don't want to do what he's called you to do. And boy, do we all get that way. It's time to stop. Make today the day that you stop running, stop trying to do things your own way. Make this the day that you tell God, my life, my decisions, my everything belongs to you. Do with it as you see fit. We all have to have those reset moments where we stop and say, I've been doing things my own way and I need to stop. And maybe you're here today and and you're like these guys that were Trying to get the ship to dry land. You kind of know about God. You've heard about him. He's got a lot of places around here where people meet on Sundays. He's got a pretty big book. Apparently, it's a bestseller. But you don't know him as your own personal savior. You're trying to make things work out, make things happen your way. You've got your plans, you've got your goals, you've got your strategies. You're pursuing the Almighty dollar your moment of fame, whatever it may be, but deep down you know it's not working out. You're spinning your wheels. You can't figure out how to connect the dots. You have your gods, little g, and you're devoted to them. Deep down you know they're not real. When things go crazy, they won't help you out. Today you can meet the real and merciful God who loves you enough that he sent his son to pay for your, your sins. You know why he doesn't, or you, you want to know why these storms are fueled by mercy? We don't see it that way sometimes. We get out of whack. Because he poured out his wrath on his son. He doesn't have any left for you. He wants you to come to him And he'll keep you in the middle of a storm if it will get your attention. And honestly, that's the best place for you to be. If it will get your attention and cause you to cry out to him, Lord, save me. Let's let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. Good preaching is supposed to bring you to a place of decision. And I hope that that you are here at a place of decision. Like I said, it may be that you say, I'm running, I'm going crazy, I'm doing things my own way, I'm like Jonah, I need to stop. Take a moment and just say, Lord, I stop. I'm done. I quit. I'm resting in your mercy. I'm resting in your will. Show me the next step, and I'll take it. Maybe that's the prayer you need to make today. Or maybe the prayer that you need to make today is say, Lord, I know about you, but I want to know you. Jesus Christ came to this earth lived a perfect, sinless life, died on a cross, was buried, and rose again. And he said, tell everyone about that. And that's our purpose. That is our purpose as a church. If you don't know him as Savior, find someone today. Talk to me. Talk to your neighbor. They're going to want to know. They're going to want to talk to you. And if they say, I'm not exactly sure what to say, they will take you to someone that can talk to you and share with you and show you from the Bible how much God loves you. Don't walk out of here today and not know Christ as your Savior. you, Josh. Would you stand with us as we close? Blessed me, thou hast brought me to this place.